1: Welcome back to the Swamp Twenty Four Seven Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and Blake Alderman is here with me. Florida coming off probably its most convincing win of the season—a thirty-five, or sorry, a thirty-four to three win over Tennessee. Blake and I were both in the swamp. We had a chance to take in the game. Blake, I know both you and I thought this game—you uh, know—maybe wouldn't necessarily be a blowout. I think it definitely turned out that way. What was your overall takeaway from the game, seeing Florida and Tennessee yesterday?
2: You know, I think it was uh, one of those areas to where we had been kind of waiting for Florida to show some signs of things. Obviously, the offensive line played much better. Um, It was kind of the unknown whenever you have Kyle Trask coming in and starting his first game since, I think, like the ninth grade. Um, So, obviously, you kind of want to wait and see if there's some rust there. And, you know, I thought that was a pretty pleasant surprise with how he played and how calm he looked for being a guy. You know, I could only imagine what was going through his head that Friday night before the game with it being his first start. And I thought he looked pretty composed overall. And, uh, you know, I think I've been kind of picking on Marco Wilson a lot, you know, so far this season just from talking on the podcast. And I think his game and I think he stepped up. I think uh, obviously he still has a ways to go and there are things he can do to improve. But, uh, you know, I think that this is the week where, you know, I'm not going to be picking on him. You know, I think he finally made some plays. Mm -hmm. Um, And overall, you know, I think that uh, it was it was it was a good win for Florida. I think a lot of things clicked.
1: Yeah, I always try to, uh, you know, after these games, especially when we do the podcast, you know, and going over the the game, rewatching it without kind of all the emotion. I try to put things into the bigger picture. And I think a lot of times, you know, not, not just for fans, but even for us, it's hard to do that. You know, we tend to overreact to these individual games. And I thought, you know, now that we're four games in, I think a little bit more of my takeaway is, is not so much, you know, that, that Florida was sloppy in the Miami game. They obviously were. Um, but, that you know, that's typical for a season opener. Then you get, you know, to UT Martin, you see some of the same issues, but obviously a pretty good result, you know, a 45-0 game. And then you play Kentucky, you know, I I thought Florida fans maybe expected a little too much out of that game. I think Kentucky was a very good football team and looking at, you know, the season four games in, I I think it's safe to say at this point that Kentucky where they were at, you know, from a, from a mental standpoint going into that game compared to where Tennessee was coming into this one, I think Kentucky was a better football team and a better, you know, a better matchup uh, against Florida than maybe this Tennessee team that was this weekend. So It's awesome that Florida came out and finally, like you said, started to put some things together, started to look a little bit cleaner in a bunch of different areas. Um, But I think, again, I think some of the concerns maybe from those first three games, you know, not necessarily having a blowout game, you know, still having some trouble against Kentucky. I think that Kentucky team's a pretty good football team. And I thought this Tennessee team coming in, I was actually a little surprised at how, how wide open the game was for Florida. I mean, this game to me, never really felt in doubt in that stadium. You know, I know there were there were points where Florida probably should have been up a little bit bigger, but I never got the sense from from inside the swamp that it was like, okay, this game could turn on this play if Tennessee, you know, makes something happen. I just thought this game, despite, you know, the two teams being relatively equal, quote unquote, in talent, when you look at the recruiting rankings, I thought it was pretty clear that Florida was the better team. It just felt like Florida had complete control of this game from start to finish and I think when you're four games into the season, that's, that's a real positive sign. And I think uh, it kind of shows the growth that we've seen week to week to week for Florida.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think we've all kind of been waiting for – this Moment where Florida's offensive line kind of gels. You know, there, there was a point last year at that Mississippi State game where things started to look a little bit better. And I thought this was probably the best body of work that Florida's offensive line made, you know, so far this season. You know, they make a couple changes. You throw a Garage um, in there, you move Stone Forsyth out to uh, to right tackle. And I think that they really kind of, you know, they gave Kyle Trask plenty of time. And, you know, I think the thing that we've been waiting to see was their run game uh, blocking. And I, I thought that was a little bit better too. I do think the run game in general, though, could be better blocking and, you know, just the backs too as well. It kind of waited to the point where it's the fourth quarter. You kind of wear that defense down to where they started to really get those big runs and, you know, kind of made something happen there. So, you know, I I think the run game is still a little bit of a question going forward for Florida, and that's something they're going to really need to do, especially whenever you have Kyle Trask and you – I mean – you can't expect him to win every game. I, I think he showed that he has the calmness and the confidence to win the game if it's counted on him. But, you, again, you just don't want to be one-dimensional. So I think that that run game is it's, its really something that still needs to probably be the biggest improvement, at least from my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that one's a hard to judge, too. Um, because, you know, it's not like, you know, even in these first couple games, it's not like Florida's had busted assignments all over the place. More often than not, uh, for the most part, guys have gotten to where they needed to go. It's just a matter of kind of getting the movement once they get there. And I thought, I I didn't, I don't think the production was all that much better this game in terms of the actual output, what they put out in terms of, um, you know, yards per carry, that kind of thing, especially when the game was still in question. I thought they did kind of wear Tennessee down, and that's when you started to see the production late in the game. But just going back and re watching the game, I thought for the most part, Florida was a little bit cleaner. You know, just that little bit where you're getting that much closer to busting some of these runs for big plays. You know, there was one in the first half, particularly, that I saw. Everybody had it blocked up, and Chris Bleich was just a little bit off on one block. And so the play goes for two or three yards instead of potentially 60 in a touchdown. Um, so I think you're seeing guys get in the right spot more. One area that we've both talked about as, as kind of being lackluster so far through this season is those tight ends, particularly in run blocking. And I thought this was a game where Kyle Pitts really stepped up. I thought he did a much better job as an inline tight end, really kind of sealing off the edge. His leverage looked a lot better to me. And then obviously, you know, you saw the kind of results he had in the pass game. I think that's going to pay big dividends for Florida. But, I mean, again, I go back to I think Florida's coaches have a very good idea of what their personnel is. And to me, that was one of the things that was the biggest difference in this game. I thought it was very clear to me that Florida knew kind of what it was trying to get out of this game what it was trying to get out of individual players, individual groups. Um, And I didn't necessarily sense that from Tennessee. You know, Tennessee makes a quarterback change, didn't really work there. Uh, They threw some guys in and out, you know, tried to rotate their offensive line a little bit, didn't really pan out. I I just felt like Dan Mullen was a coach that has a much much firmer grasp on his program right now in year two than Jeremy Pruitt did.
2: Yeah, and I even think you could kind of speak some to the trajectory going forward of where those teams are. You know, both second-year head coaches – um, same division, and it just seems that Florida is in a way much better place than Tennessee right now. And I, I know that a lot of people have kind of seen Tennessee as that big rebuild, but you know we talked about when we previewed this you know this Tennessee game that there there's recruiting talent there, and you know Pruitt has mm-hmm. been able to land some five star guys. They started two of those um, big time uh, recruits on their offensive line in the game, so it just does seem that. Regardless of, you know, maybe having that talent just overall, maybe I don't know if it's a coaching thing or if it's just maybe execution or or whatnot. But it just seems like these two teams are just on a totally different trajectory.
1: I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think I think part of that is the mentality that Dan Mullins helped build at Florida. Um, and it's kind of a weird thing because Dan Mullins took over a four win Florida team and then they lost to Kentucky in their second game last year. So it's not like on paper, you know, it was just this immediate turnaround. But for whatever reason, Dan Mullen was able to get his guys to buy in. They had some big wins over Mississippi State and, and LSU last year. And sometimes that's what you need as a, as a coach walking into a program. You need that big spark to kind of get your guys to finally believe and turn things around. I don't think Tennessee has had that yet, and, and I'm not sure that they're going to get there anytime soon because you look at their schedule, they've got you know Georgia and Alabama coming up two of their next three games. Uh, so I think the Vols are in a tough spot, and I think if you're Florida – you got to feel pretty good about where Dan Mullen has this group. Now, I know things things could be cleaner. You know, I, I don't expect that Florida's going undefeated this season or anything like that. Um, but I think, again, Dan Mullen kind of knows what he's working with and he knows what he's trying to accomplish. And I thought watching the game yesterday live, I thought there were a lot of times where you kind of scratch your head and like you're like, why are they running the ball here when Kyle Trask is just tearing them up with his arm? You know, why do they switch to Emory Jones You know, when there's eight minutes left in the second quarter, Tennessee's just giving you the ball back and you have a chance to really go up, you know, 17-0 and kind of put the nail in the coffin. And I think part of that was Dan Mullen understanding that his group and his coaches and his players were going to win this game. And he needed to go ahead and while the game was still on the line, work on some of those things that we talked about, like the run game. And I think that's why you saw him throw Emory Jones there in that situation. They want to get guys involved where it matters and not just you know, later in the game when the game's already out of hand. And I think that's something that Dan Wellen's done consistently while he's been at Florida. And a lot of times, you know, we end up sitting there questioning the play calling. But I think when you look bigger picture, it's better to have worked on these things. um, and, And maybe, yeah, maybe not fully taking advantage of an opportunity to put a game away early. But you get that quality work so that maybe the run game's not, you know, firing on all cylinders. But if it's incrementally better enough when you get to that Georgia game, you know, that LSU game, that Auburn game, um, you're not 100% putting the game on your passing game. You know, Florida could easily throw him for 500 yards yesterday, I think, and and just let Kyle Trask go at it all day. But I thought the fact that the O-line did get to work some different combinations in there with, you know, Guraj playing some some left guard and them kind of mixing and matching a little bit, trying different guys, I thought those were all productive things that this Florida staff has really zeroed in on hey, we need to get this better before we get to the heart of that SEC schedule. And I think that's something that maybe probably gets a little bit lost when we're in the heat of game day and, and really just trying to see Florida, you know, go out there and put up as many points as they can. That's not always the best for developing your team. And I think Dan Mullen has probably earned the right to be able to call it that way and not necessarily be questioned quite as much as, as we probably do in the heat of the moment.
2: Yeah, you know, from just kind of scanning social media and seeing Gator Twitter and, you know, even some people on my Facebook, my personal Facebook, just kind of seeing that there did seem to be a lot of questioning from the fan side, at least of things of, of how the play calling went. And I think whenever you break things down, I do think there is a little bit of madness to the method, like, like how you said.
1: Yeah. Well, Blake, let's talk about the defense, too. I think, um, you know, one of the other things that's really stood out to me when we're talking about these improvements from week to week, I think it's much more obvious to be able to see those on the defense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you know, this is a defense that played without C.J. Henderson and and Jabari Zaniga yesterday. I thought that was their best showing by far. I thought, you know, we we kind of made it a point going in that you know Florida was going to have to get after Jared Grantano, and I thought they did a terrific job doing that, even playing banged up. You know, I thought a bunch of different guys stepped up. Luke Ankrum, I thought had a, had a much better day. You got contributions from Jeremiah Moon, some of these other guys. Um, Blake, for you, where is the defense right now in terms of their development and how much progress have you seen? you know, since maybe that sloppy opener against Miami.
2: Yeah, you know, I think obviously them being banged up, there's still, you know, there's still guys that need to get healthy. Jabari Zaniga, CJ Henderson. I mean, those are two guys that Florida's really going to need, and I think it's going to be really apparent that they're going to need them whenever, you know, Auburn comes to town. You have LSU, you have Georgia on the schedule. They're going to need those guys for those big games, and I think you obviously got to, you know, heal those guys up this weekend because, you know, you look at the score and how, well, how you know, lopsided it was, you know, they weren't really needed and that was shown. Um, I'm not too sure how needed they'll be for Towson. So I think at this point, you know, I think you're kind of glad that you have that, you know, that non-conference opponent so you can, you know, maybe let those guys get back on the field and kind of shake some rust off from being off for a couple weeks, or you can even heal them a little bit more. And I think at this point, You really need to do that because those big games that are coming up But I think overall just from looking at the Gators I think Kentucky really had their way on third down, you know, Florida had a tough time getting off the field on third down last week They were a lot better there. Um, I think there were still some tackling issues early in the game But they really did overall you have to be glad with you know the tackling it did get better as the game went on
1: Yeah, no doubt and I think third down is a big key, you know That's one that Florida obviously has not been very good on this year I want to say they held Tennessee to 4-13. of So, you know, there were some busts on some of the bigger ones and some situational awareness. Those were two things that Dan Mullen talked about. But I just thought you saw – you see this Florida defense starting to gel a little bit better. I think you're seeing guys get more comfortable working within the units they have. Um, You know, I thought of Murray Bernie being back. I thought, you know, I had said kind of in the preseason that he's just a – he's a weird player to get a, a handle on. Because obviously you see all the physical talent, but he'd always been kind of a quiet guy to me, meaning he didn't necessarily you you just never really noticed him when he was on the field, you know, in fall camp and then really in that first game. And this was a game where you noticed him. I mean, he was making plays all over the field, um, probably some plays that Florida's other linebackers maybe can't make because they're just not quite as physically gifted as he is. Um, So I thought that was a huge, huge positive. You know, obviously the Gators lost Ventrell Miller for a bit there during the game and we're not quite sure. Just yet, how long that shoulder injury will 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 keep him out. But I think, you know, if there's a silver lining to Florida being banged up, it's like we talked about. Florida had other guys step up. Luke Ankrum, you know, Jeremiah Moon, they both I thought stepped up with Zaniga out. Bernie was really good, you know, with Miller kind of sidelined. And if you are able to get healthy, you know, that's the benefit. Again, Florida has three bye weeks this year, so you've still got two more coming up. If Florida is able to get healthy, I think you start to see this defense really take the next step You know, we talked to a couple players after the game, and Marco Wilson and and John Grenard both said the same thing. They said, look, we're not anywhere close to what we're going to be as a finished product, and the fact that we're able to hold a team like Tennessee to just three points and really play this well, man, it's going to be scary down the road.
2: Yeah, you know, and I thought the safety group with Sean Davis, Brad Stewart, that combination, that seems to really work for them. You know, Brad Stewart getting back in um, from his from his suspension to start the season. Sean Davis really kind of getting way more comfortable with, with maybe how he started to begin the season. I think that safety group is really looking special.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was a good thing that they – it seemed to me – I don't have the the actual snap counts in front of me, but it seemed to me like Davis and Stewart were on the field together a whole lot more than the last couple games. seemed like the rotation maybe thinned out. I know there was a couple plays where Steiner and, and Juwan Taylor were in there in the second half because I noticed them down the field tackling and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, it seemed like Florida really has pinpointed Davis and Stewart as their two top guys. And I thought both of them, again, turned in very good games. So, Blake, I guess with that in mind, has your outlook on the season changed at all? I mean, this is the first game, like we said, where Florida really, it felt like Florida really controlled the whole game and it was maybe much cleaner. But again, I thought a lot of us going into the season thought maybe Florida would probably get to 5-0 and before Auburn. Um, I know from my standpoint, I think Auburn looks better than maybe I expected them to. But does the outlook change at all now that we've seen a full month of football?
2: You know, yes and no. Um, I expected Florida to be 5-0, and like you said, against Auburn. You know, I was... Auburn is such a hard team to predict every preseason. Mm-hmm. They oh, either yeah. are going to win ten games or they're going to win six. So you really never know what kind of Auburn team you get. And I, maybe I was a little hard on them. Just you know, you're already having these coaching hot seat talks about Gus Malzahn before, and you still have them now. You know that they're I think like what eighth in the country. They're they're a top ten team, yeah, and seven. here we all have these stories <laughs> about super boosters looking at Bob Stoops and whatnot. So you know, I, I think my outlook of Auburn has changed some um, in that game now. You know, you have a true freshman. Quarterback that has played well, they have a really good defense that they're going to bring in. So I think that game is really going to be where I do hinge, you know, my outlook on the season, because after that, it doesn't get any easier for Florida. Mm -hmm. No doubt. So far, whenever you look at Kyle Trask, he had a great game against Tennessee, but Tennessee might be one of the bur- worst teams in the SEC. So what does that say? So I think that that game against Auburn is really where I- I'll know if I'm going to change my measuring stick because you know I expected Florida to lose to Georgia. I expected them to lose to LSU before the season started. Auburn, I think, was a little bit more of a coin flip of a game. And and I think that that's really going to be where I see how they're going to match up in some of these bigger games. You know, I I think that South Carolina on the road is a tricky one. I think Missouri is a tricky game, too. But. You know, I think overall, I don't know that I've changed enough to where I've seen that, you know, I don't think that Florida has any chance of winning that game. You know, I still think that they can very well win those games. South Carolina has their own struggles. Missouri has bounced back from an early loss. So, you know, I don't know that my my, my outlook of the season has changed overall just because I think Florida can still win about the same number of games as I thought. The Auburn game is the one where things come a little bit more cloudy for me.
1: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Uh, for me, you know, I think a lot of the question marks, you know, prior to this Tennessee game were what exactly is Kyle Trask going to look like? And I think I think he's done enough at this point with that Kentucky comeback in this Tennessee game to kind of reassure people that Florida's going to have the answers in the passing game, quite, you know, quite a bit. I mean, they'll they'll throw some interceptions, they'll make some mistakes. Um, but as long as the run game keeps coming along, I think Florida's a team that probably won't have Maybe too many issues with the Missouris, the South Carolinas. So, so to me, that puts you back on track to maybe that preseason now look that we had. You know, I still don't know. I don't feel confident that Florida necessarily will, will beat the Auburn, LSU and Georgia types. Um, but I feel pretty confident that they're going to take care of business against the other schools on the schedule that they should. And anytime you can do that, that gives you a chance to make special things happen where you come up with that Mississippi state win last year, that LSU win last year, you know, and then once you get one of those, who knows, you know, the entire outlook can change. Um, but I think I thought Saturday's game, you know, was a really, really positive step for Florida just in answering some of those questions, continuing to show improvement, continuing to show consistency. That's something we saw from Florida all last year. It seemed like every week they were getting a little bit better. You know, they had their hiccups against Georgia and Missouri, but they were able to write the ship. And I think that's the sign of good coaching. I think it's a sign of good leadership. Um, you know, now it kind of I think, again, kind of boils back down to how healthy can Florida be and, and maybe what's the ceiling under Kyle Trask. And I think, Blake, we will hit on kind of Kyle Trask and what we saw on him Saturday right after this commercial break.
0: This episode is brought to you by
2: Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive.
1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp. Blake Alderman is here with me, and we're breaking down Florida's game against Tennessee and kind of the outlook coming out of what is probably Florida's cleanest game of the season. Blake, we talked a lot about the defense. We talked a lot about, you know, the trajectory of Florida versus Tennessee coming out of that 34-3 win. Let's talk about Kyle Trask. First off, you know, obviously a big situation for him starting his first game since he was a freshman in high school. What was your take on how he performed given that situation and maybe the expectations and the burden of starting for the first time in front of 82,000 people?
2: Yeah. Like I said uh, earlier, you know, I really do think that with it being his, you wouldn't have known that this was his first start. And since his freshman year in high school, I thought he was pretty totally calm. Um, I thought that he was really smart with the football. You know, I'm sure there were plenty, plenty of throws that he would have wanted back, but I think at the same time too, you kind of have to let him see what his limitations are. You have to let him get comfortable. Those interceptions, those plays where you can turn it over, they're gonna happen. But I think on the flip side of things too, I think Florida's defense has only given up like ten points off of turnovers this season. So there, there's a defense that can make up for those for those steps, those, you know, that, that growth that he's gonna need through those plays. But you know, I think he was smart with the ball. He really spread things around. Um, a lot of different receivers, you know, got touches. So I think that overall from the body of work you, you saw from him, I I think it was you know, he looked like a guy who had been playing for like the last three years at Florida.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I kind of always, and I talked about this a little bit on the Swamp247.com message boards. Um, you know, when fans are like, hey, we should just pass the ball. It's working. Um, I kind of have the inverse reaction of those Will Muschamp years where it was like, you know, Florida would play Bowling Green and you've got like a new quarterback in Jeff Driscoll that hasn't done a whole lot, you know, kind of making his first start. and uh, And Florida opts to just kind of run the whole clock out in the second half because they can run the ball. And I always had this idea of like, why wouldn't you work on the passing game there? I think kind of on the flip side, um, you know, Florida's inability to run the ball has almost in some ways allowed you to realize that you have a pretty good strength in the passing game. You know, Kyle Trask was able to throw the ball around quite a bit. Um, you know, Florida still did work on that running game. Um, but I, th- I think I just think it's interesting. I think Florida's Florida's makeup this year has made it such that I think they're going to need to rely on the passing game in, in some certain points. But I think because they've had to do that and because Dan M- Mullen is kind of willing to let Kyle Trask you know, get comfortable within games. Um, I think they're going to be in good position to do that when, you know, the rubber hits the road. Like you said, I thought Kyle Trask looked pretty familiar or pretty comfortable within the offense. I think it was more or less what we expected, you know, that he was going to make good decisions. He was going to have a quicker trigger with the football maybe than Felipe Franks, but probably would throw into coverage a little bit more. And I thought that was exactly what you saw. I mean, his ability to go through progressions was, was really, really impressive. I thought more than anything, though, like for a guy that hasn't started in seven years, I thought he was looking off safeties and linebackers at certain points. There were two or three different plays where I said, OK, like he's he's definitely holding on to that receiver that he's not going to throw to for a little bit. And that freezes the linebacker safety. That's something that's tough to coach. And you, I don't even think we saw Felipe do that a whole lot. Uh, so to me, that says the ceiling's pretty high. The question is, how quick can Florida ramp him up? Um, but Blake, I mean, uh, for me, I, I didn't have a problem with either of the interceptions he threw.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that that's just that gunslinger mentality, and I think that's what Kyle Trask brings, and those are going to happen. You know, those turnovers are going to happen. I'm sure, hindsight, you want to get those kind of throws back, but I just think that's what you're going to do. I think Florida has a lot of really talented wide receivers, and he's just going to try to get the ball out to those guys and let them do what they do with it, and I think that that's what you saw a lot of times when he did throw those.
1: Yeah, and I look at at situation too, situational football. I thought the first one that he threw on the corner out to Lucas Kroll, you know, I don't think that was his necessarily his best uh, his best target on that play. I thought Tyree Cleveland was coming over open over the middle on a post, but it's third and thirteen. I mean, you know, you'd maybe you go down and you're in field goal range, but I don't have a problem with a quarterback throwing into the red zone on third and thirteen. Um, you know, that one didn't pan out, but it's it's not that much worse than a punt. You know, so maybe you sacrifice three points, but I don't have a problem taking that shot. And then I thought the throw to Trayvon Grimes even when I went back and rewatched it, I thought it was a better throw than I initially thought in the stadium. And, you know, he gave Grimes a chance to make that play. He just didn't necessarily get, you know, full, fully his body into it. But to me, those, those aren't issues you really need to worry about. I mean, he's going to make some of those. Um, I thought more the, the pressure in the pocket was something that needs to be cleaned up. You know, his internal clock, I think the announcers mentioned that a few times. Um, it's hard to get when, you, you know, you're not playing a whole lot. But I thought, you know, if he can get a little bit better at sensing, okay, if my first, second, third read isn't there, I need to either get rid of the ball or just take a sack. You know, the one forced fumble that he had in the pocket, particularly being in Florida's territory, that's the costly one. And that, I think, is the one that, you know, Dan Mullen would like to see go away and cleaned up.
2: You know, and I thought it really did seem that Florida – had a better running game. You know, you throw LaMichael P. Ryan in there, you expect he's going to get the bulk of the carries. But I thought Damian Pierce, you know, Emory Jones in the running game, I thought that those guys also, to kind of help Trask, you know, not just have to win the game for them. And I think that that's really what you want from a person who's making their first start in quite some, uh, some time. You just want them to have... You know, just a, a lifeline, you know, just something mm-hmm. there um, that can kind of help them out. I thought Damian Pierce, I, I've been, I, I mentioned uh, in the preview of the show leading up to the Tennessee game that I thought that he needed to get some more carries and, and you look, he has 11 carries as long as 12 um, with a touchdown. I, you know, I thought he brought a different dynamic there too. Um, I also thought that Kyle Pitts, I'm sure that's a guy that was really glad to see, you know, Kyle Trask, that Kyle to Kyle connection that they had there. You know, I, I thought that that was one of Kyle Pitts better games too.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt, and I think both of us are on the same page. We'd, we'd both like to see Damian Pierce a little bit more. I think he brings a little bit more in terms of power running, maybe being able to break a tackle or two. You saw that on his touchdown run. Um, I, I think LaMichael Pirine, that, you know, there's been a lot of fans out there that are a little upset with how he's played, maybe thinks he's being a little too patient. There was definitely one play where he missed a hole, uh, and you typically didn't see him make that mistake last year. But you also saw some other plays that I thought were really key um, I, he had a terrific blitz pickup on a linebacker on one uh, you know out route to Tyree Cleveland. that went for a first down. Those are the little things I think he continues to do well. And I think as you see Florida really try to force the run game, I thought you started to see a little bit more creases in there, and that's what you need because that's once you start opening those creases, Pirine's Ryan's gonna make some positive plays. so I, I don't I don't necessarily get all the angst for Pirine. I think he he does so many different things well that it's really more a matter of that O-line and the tight ends kind of blocking in there. And once they free that up, I think the run game's going to start to click.
2: Thomas, I think it's, it's no secret at this point that there are things that Florida needs to continue to fix, and we're going to have this song and dance all season because there's always things that you need to fix. But you kind of mentioned something that made me think some. Do you feel at times that maybe Florida's coaches trying to force the run game, maybe trying to make something happen, can take away from, like you said, Kyle Trask, who's having a successful day?
1: Yeah, but I, I, again, I go back to I think that they know that they need to work on that because if you don't work on it in games, you know, I know people say, oh, we can work on it in practice, but I just don't think it's the same. I don't think it's the same intensity level. I don't think it's the same um, kind of pressure that you're under within a game. Um, so I think you need to continue repping that. And I go back to that. I think um, I think Dan Mullen even said it after the game. He basically said one of the biggest positives from this game was that our defense was playing well enough to allow us to continue to stick with the run, meaning they had a lead, so they were able to do that, and then they never really felt like they had to press. So, again, I thought Florida being able to control this game, you know, it never felt like Tennessee was in control, and I think Florida's coaches sensed that, and that's why they were so insistent on pounding the run, even when you weren't necessarily generating a ton early on, because you need that unit to be better against, you know, this tough schedule that's coming up. I mean, you got Auburn, LSU, Georgia— you know, three of your next five games. Um, those those issues got to get cleaned up, and I think you know that along with the unforced forced turnovers, um, I think are going to be big. I do wonder a little bit if we'll see Emory Jones a little bit more. I thought, like you said, I thought you know it's hard to say because Tennessee seemed worn down late in the game, but I did think that he brought a little bit of a different dynamic to the offense when he came in.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that that's one of those things to where, you know, if not in the game. Having to deal with a rushing quarterback who can run with it and who's dynamic in that aspect, who can also throw it and pull some trick plays in there, I think the just the simple fact of playing these two quarterback sets, it just it just gives the opposing team that much more things to try to game plan for during the week.
1: Exactly, and and the other thing I think is I'm not sure how much of the offense we've really seen. Um, I think that you know when you have some basic things that you're struggling with like Florida's run game. Um, to me, you tend to try to iron those out more in games that you feel pretty comfortable about, which I think you look at the first four games on the schedule, you know, they're not games that you thought you would really have to throw in a whole lot of gadget plays and stuff like that. Some of the more creative things that maybe you toss out there against an Auburn and LSU or a Georgia. So I think that's something to consider too, that, you know, even though Florida hasn't necessarily looked great, I think, again, they're trying to iron things out that are staples of the offense. And then you can throw in some wrinkles against some of these better teams. But, Blake, I mean, there's no way around it now. I mean, after this Towson game, Florida's got a huge stretch of games coming up, starting with Auburn. Uh, What are you looking for as kind of the big keys for Florida to, I guess so, sort of take the next step under Dan Mullen and go from being a team that won nine games in the regular season next year to maybe rounding the corner and potentially competing for the SEC East title this year and and maybe even getting to Atlanta? What do they have to do?
2: I, keep, I feel like I keep hitting on it every week, and I think we've started to see Florida trying to maybe shop around on some things over the last couple weeks, you know, with just kind of changing different offensive line combos, um, just kind of seeing what works. And I think that that's what they're really going to need to do in this Towson game. Um, you have this FCS opponent coming in. Figure out what offensive line combination works and really start to kind of game plan ahead for these. You know, these big SEC games. Again, the schedule is just not going to get any easier. And on top of that, too, you know, Florida signed seven offensive linemen in the 2019 class, and all of them did not make it to campus. Um, you have a lot of those guys that did make it in on the second string um currently now that, that are, you know, if one of these guys goes down, they're, they're likely, you know, the ones in there. So I think that Florida really needs to continue to build depth and through the recruiting trail, and I think that that's something they're going to try to do. They obviously have some guys committed in the class now. There's some big-time offensive tackles that they're still recruiting that they feel good about. So I think the offensive line is really going to be one of those things that I, I think that maybe – through this week of practice, you kind of get an idea of what your combination works because you're really going to need to start to rely on those guys past this game. And I think that this game is a good chance to figure out what works in a game situation and maybe even get some of these younger guys, you know, their feet wet in actual game snaps.
1: Yeah, and I, I think we saw some of that Saturday against Kentucky. You know, I know you mentioned Richard Gouraj getting in there. Um, I, I thought that was Florida trying to kind of build some depth and maybe also see, you know, if they have a certain guy that gets dinged up or something, how do you move your pieces around? Um, but I'm with you. I think, I think for me, the biggest thing right now, going forward into this, this stretch, you know, that will start after Towson and HBO leaves town is, uh, how healthy is Florida? Because I think this is a Florida defense right now. That's playing well enough to keep you in any of those games against Auburn, LSU or Georgia. Um, maybe, maybe even without Jabari Zuniga and CJ Henderson. But if you get both of those guys back, all of a sudden you start looking at those being maybe closer to 50, 50 matchups. You know, I think Florida's actually going to be favored against Auburn, um, but look, you know, these are some big, big games coming up, and Florida's got a lot of talent. They've started to develop some depth on both sides of the football. You get those top-line players back, and I think all of a sudden the excitement level really, really starts to ramp up in Gainesville.
2: Yeah, they're just going to really need those guys. You're going to need Jabari Zaniga. You're going to need um, a C.J. Henderson for those Auburn games. I think you're going to get Auburn's best shot because they are going to come in there and they're going to want to continue this train that they're rolling. You know, I I just – I can't – it's just so funny how my opinion has changed of Auburn from the start of this year just because I really thought they were going to be in some hot water this year. You know, you pull – their defensive line is fantastic and there's no way around Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, you're starting this freshman quarterback that you're not sure how things are going to start. You know, they start off the season against Oregon. I think this Auburn game is going to be a very interesting game for Florida, and I think that this is going to be their chance to, you know, I just feel like to this point all season, I just you hear about how Florida could be a little overrated. They come in as a top-ten team. This is their chance to actually, you know, it's that's a sh- uh, put-up-or-shut-up game for them.
1: No doubt about it. I mean, if Auburn goes and takes care of business at Mississippi State this weekend, we're talking about a top-ten game in the swamp. I mean, college game day could be here for all we know. So, yeah, that's going to be a big measuring stick for Florida. I think this week is going to be more about, you know, continuing to iron out those kinks. You know, maybe even rest some guys, you know, that I, I would not necessarily expect a season or Henderson play this week. I think you get those guys healthy unless you feel like unless you feel like they need to get some reps just to get back into the swing of things this weekend. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, kind of let's just battle through against Towson, get everybody healthy. And then it's all hands on deck for Auburn and what could be, you know, the first real defining game of the season. But, uh, Blake, I think that's going to do it for us today, unless you got anything to add. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, just that Florida had an off, uh, official visitor last weekend and Jeremy Crawshaw. Uh, we got a chance to speak to him after his official visit today. We have a story up on uh, swamp247.com. Um, feel free to check that out. But yeah, Florida, it's so funny because at this point, you know, I, I just never dawned on me that punter was such a big need for them. You look <laughs> at Tommy Towson, he's a yeah. senior. Um, they're going to need a guy in there. And this is, uh, you know, the number three international punter in the country. Trust me, I've done my research on some punters over the last week.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, yes, we encourage you guys to check that out. We've also got plenty of post game coverage from Tennessee. Uh, I know I dove into the film today, kind of watching the re- the game on rewatch. So we got plenty of content for you. I encourage you to check it out at swamp247.com. And we'll be back on the podcast later in the week, breaking down Towson.